the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Bob France Authority, broadcasting live from our nation's capital at the Federation for American Immigration Reform, holding their feet to the fire on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now as we continue live in Washington, D.C. It's eight minutes after ten on this Wednesday, the fifth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Live from the Federation for American Immigration Reforms. Hold their feet to the fire, 2018. We have just been jam-packed with wonderful guests. We're talking to Border Patrol people. We're talking to sitting members of Congress. We're talking to Angel Family Moms. We're talking to Arizona cattle ranchers who are seeing firsthand the flood of illegal aliens and drugs going across their property. And joining us now to talk about this from the criminal side of things is Jim Conway. He is a former FBI counterterrorism expert with a Latin America focus. He's also the president of Global Intel Strategies, a Houston-based firm that consults and trains and advises government agencies and academia and people like me in the media on terrorism and national security issues. Jim, so good to have you here. Thank you so much for stopping by. How are you? Great to be here, Bob. Thank you. Have you been to FAIR before? Have you? No, uh, I haven't. This is my first trip. Great well, to be here. Mine too. Mine too. And i got to tell you, I am so very impressed. I've been associated with FAIR loosely for a long time. I frequently have guests on. I'll talk to Dave Ray, and I'll talk to Ira Melman, who's the president of this, and they have such a, a, a devotion to the issue of, of, of protecting our border, protecting our sovereignty, and more importantly, protecting our people, the citizens of this country, and the legal residents of this country who may be immigrants from other countries, and that's what this is all about, because Quite frankly, people who think illegal immigration crime is limited to just the fact that the really illegal immigrants are not paying attention. Uh, there is a lot of very serious violent crime that is carried out in this country by illegals, and I know that's what you have focused largely on. Yeah, and there's certainly a terrorism nexus there. You know, I, I am I am a firm believer, having been stationed in Latin America, having worked counterterrorism issues for 15 to 20 years, that border security is national security. And you know, when you think about it, 1.5 million people cross the U.S. border every single day, legally and illegally. And when you look at the numbers and you look at the amount of what we call in the intel and in the law enforcement business, SIA, special interest aliens. Well, first of all, what, what are special interest aliens? They are people that come from countries where there's a significant presence of terrorist organizations or terrorist activity. Countries like Somalia, Sudan, Pakistan, uh, Libya, uh, uh Lebanon, Syria, 6,000 special interest aliens were apprehended between 2001 and 2007 when I was stationed in Latin America. 6,000 were apprehended. Uh, were, were all of them up to no good? Were all of them getting ready to detonate a suicide vest? No, they weren't. Some of them were purely economic refugees. But the fact that there are sophisticated smuggling organizations with tentacles into the Middle East, North Africa, East Africa, Southeast Asia, where there's a significant presence of terrorist organizations, and they're smuggling those people into Central America, into Mexico, and sadly enough, many of those people are given refuge in Mexico and a chance to gather themselves, get themselves together, because those governments know that these folks are ultimately going to the United States. 
um, they then cross into the United States. And that's a big concern. It is a, it's a huge concern, and, and there's a couple of uh, issues to drill down on there. Number one, how complicit then is the Mexican government? They have to know this is going of on. Are they, they do, know they're doing it for profit? Are they being paid to be able they're to allow this? They're just turning their head the other way. Uh, the Panamanians What's the benefit for the them? Thing. I mean, the we, know, we know the benefit the to the Mexican government for allowing some of their migrant farm workers to come here. It's because they're going to repatriate that money back to Mexico, and it helps their economy. Yeah. But what is their benefit to allow these special interest aliens that you're talking about uh, to come in and use their, their nation as a conduit just to get to the United States. They have to have something. For I don't know if there's so much complicit in it, but they just uh, they just turn a blind eye to it. They just turn a blind they eye. And that's, and that's something they just don't care. Uh, they know that these folks are going to Gringolandia and they just don't care. Uh, and so uh, a lot of these folks are held in Tapachula. They're special interest aliens. They're held at the detention centers. Uh, they're given some comfort, some food. They get back on their feet and they're re- they're deported. They're deported back to their country, which means they're released onto the streets. And we know that from that point, they don't re- they don't go. They're on their own to get back to their countries once they're deported, and they end up they end up uh, on the U.S. Mexican border. How? Per- uh, Jim, how prepared is the current FBI as it's as it's constituted today to deal with these individuals? To you know, because as you said, are, are all six thousand of those that you mentioned that were apprehended? Yeah. And by the way, that's just those who were apprehended. How many right. thousands weren't uh, who came into this country? Right. Is the is the current state of the FBI able to figure out who these people are and which ones are get ready to detonate and which ones are not here? They're just you know, there's well, economic asylum. Yeah. Seekers. In fairness, I would like to just say that the FBI is not the tip of the spear when it comes to border security. It's ICE and it's the Border Patrol. Of course. And they do a fantastic job. But once they're here. Yeah, once they're here, yeah. And and basically, the FBI is part and parcel of the intelligence collection process, the analysis of those smuggling organizations, the analysis of the people that are crossing the border, and do they pose a threat to our national security. If you look back anecdotally, um, you know, when I was working in Mexico, um, for example, uh, Mahmoud Karani, who was a known Hezbollah operator, was smuggled by a Lebanese smuggling organization. You got to understand, Bob, these smuggling organizations are very sophisticated. They're very hierarchical. Most of these bad guys come from Lebanon, they come from Pakistan, they come from other countries, but they have dual citizenship in Brazil or in Mexico. When you look at uh, Mahmoud Bugadir, who lived in Tijuana, he was a Lebanese-American. He spoke Arabic, he spoke Spanish, he was a dual citizen. He had a very, very sophisticated operation, smuggling hundreds and hundreds of folks from the Middle East. He had a corrupt uh, official at the Mexican consulate in Lebanon who was giving him, he was buying visas from. It's a long story, but he was basically smuggling hundreds of Lebanese into the United States. He even had attorneys, immigration attorneys, on the payroll in San Diego. So, sophisticated operation. He smuggled Mahmoud Karani, a known Hezbollah operator, into Detroit. The FBI arrested him. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's ongoing. It continues to be ongoing. And which, which leads me to my last question for you, Jim. We're talking to Jim Conway, president of Global Intel Strategies, also a former FBI counterterrorism official. Um, what do you need, Congress? We're here at this thing called Hold Their Feet to the Fire. We yeah. want to hold our, our, our elected officials, both in the Congress and, yes, President Trump, we want to hold their feet to the fire in trying to stop these things, to limit the access of the, to the United States of all of these people you're talking about. What do you need to see from Congress? What do you need to see from Washington to facilitate a, a, you know, a, a, a better, a, a better, a stronger border and, and, and better strategies to stop these individuals. Well, I'd like to see more than just talk. I mean, if you go back to 02, you had the Homeland Security Act. You go to 04, we had the Intel and Terrorism Reform Act. In 2006, we had the Secure Fence Act. Uh, we have, we've had a lot of initiatives and a lot of laws passed 
to secure the border. We need to see those things implemented. We need to see a concerted joint effort between not only American law enforcement and border security services, but through liaison and through international relations with our border countries, such as Mexico, such as Panama. And those need to be part of the talking points, that you need to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And I really think that we need to have a concerted effort focused on what's going on in Latin America, particularly when you look at the presence of Iran and Hezbollah, particularly with the amount of saber-rattling that's been going on in recent years. Iran and Hezbollah have major, major operations throughout Panama, a tremendous foothold in South America, in Venezuela. Uh, Hezbollah has training camps, uh, uranium mining and all that goes on and on. But just south of the border, we have a lot of things going on with a terrorism nexus. And that 2,000-mile border needs to be protected. Jim, last thing before you go, and thank you so much for including us in your conversations today. We're less than two months away from an election that's going to decide who runs this country. Uh Uh, Message for the voters on who's best equipped to do that. Well, you know, I I don't like to be political. I know you don't. But But you said there are things that you need Congress to do uh, as far as protecting that border and stopping some of these individuals. And and what I have seen of late, uh, irrespective of the administration, in this administration I have seen a refocus on what has been going on in Latin America. When you go back all the way to the Israeli embassy and the AMIA bombing back in the 90s, to the attempt to blow up JFK's fuel tanks back in 07, uh, the operation against the Hezbollah operation to assassinate, an act of war, to assassinate the Saudi ambassador in Washington, D.C. back in 2011. This administration is beginning to drill down and connect the dots with the amount of activity that Hezbollah has been involved in. And there have been arrests. Last month, there were arrests made in New York where Hezbollah operators were targeting the Panama Canal and U.S. targets. That's a great answer without being political. This administration is doing some things, and we need to continue that work. I'll say that if you can't. Amen. Jim Conway, uh, thank you so much for your your service to this country and the FBI, and uh, continued success to you, and we'll keep in touch. Thank you, Bob. Thanks very much. Jim Conway joining us, Global Intel Strategies President. We're live in Washington, D.C. at the FAIR. Federation for American Immigration Reform hold their feet to the fire 2018. And we're back after this. We are holding their feet to the fire. It's the Bob France Authority, live from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Indeed, we do continue live now, 22 minutes past 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us here as we are live in Washington, D.C., just outside the Capitol, and we are here at FAIR, Federation of American, uh, for, uh, for American Immigration Reform, rather, joined now by uh, Hector Garza, who is the National Vice President at Large of the National Border Patrol Council. Hector, thanks so much for coming by. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you, Bob. How important is it for you and members and leadership of, of the Border Patrol Council to get out here to events like this and share the message of the work that you guys are doing, and also to kind of, in my opinion, Hector, to, uh, to to explain what it is that you do. A lot of people don't know the difference between Border Patrol and ICE. ICE is under fire, as you know. People are calling for abolition of ICE and so on and so forth. Cause they, and then they're saying that ICE is working at the border and separating people and all these other things. So can you can you explain the importance of what Border Patrol do, the Border Patrol does? So, so it's very important for the American public to understand what the uh, the duties and roles of the U.S. Border Patrol are. Um, 
Border Patrol agents uh, are responsible for securing the border uh, between the ports of entries. Uh, we are the uh, law enforcement officers that wear the green uniform. Uh, we enforce immigration law, and uh, we're responsible for arresting uh, thousands and thousands of illegal aliens and, uh, and narcotics. And you, uh, you've been doing this since 2000, correct? You were, uh, your first year is 2000? That's right. I, I joined the Border Patrol in 2000, and I've been doing that work uh, ever since. And you, uh, you work out of Laredo, Texas? That is uh, the, where I'm stationed, yes, sir. Give me, a, give me a typical day for a Border Patrol agent down in Laredo, Texas, or any of the areas surrounding there, and tell me what it is that you see. So first of all, Laredo, Texas has uh, about 170 miles of, of border with Mexico, uh, and we're separated by the Rio Grande River, uh, which a lot of people call a natural barrier. Uh, which is not uh, because it does not stop uh, illegal immigration or or the drug smuggling that happen on, on a daily happens on a daily basis. Um, what's interesting about Laredo is that we have zero uh, fencing, zero physical barriers, and uh, right across the uh, Laredo in, uh, in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, uh, we have a, a very dangerous cartel that is responsible for all uh, human and drug smuggling in that area. So uh, you're right about that barrier. It's not a barrier. We see video all the time of people wading across that river or being jet skied across that river and being dropped off for, for fees on the other side. And it's, and it's a struggle. How, how dangerous is that job? It's one thing to see that. And you say, you know, we arrest these people. It's not that easy, though, because there are a lot of people who don't want to be arrested. Can you talk about the danger that you guys face on a regular basis? Well, when you have, uh, when you have zero physical barriers, when you have very limited uh, manpower, uh, it becomes a very difficult job. Uh, the work of a border patrol agent is very unique. Uh, we work in very remote areas, and it's very dangerous. Uh, you see all these uh, all these shootings and killings in Mexico. Well, those same organizations that are killing themselves in Mexico and are uh, are, are hanging bodies from bridges, those are the t- same people that are smuggling people uh, into the uh, into the United States. Those are the people that we deal with on a daily basis. So it becomes very dangerous. We do get assaulted on a daily basis, and uh, some of our agents have even lost their lives. Are you armed? All the time. The reason I ask that is because we have seen, sadly, enough stories anecdotally here of, of, of agents being killed because while you are armed, you are not allowed to engage until you are. I mean, do you have a do not fire until fired upon rule that you must follow? Because I know others have been hesitant to to use lethal force to protect themselves. Yeah, we, we do have a very, a very strict use of force policy that we have to follow. Um, uh, anytime there's any type of force used out of the field, be it a deadly force. Or, or, or less lethal force, um, we're going to be investigated by many, many organizations, the FBI, the Office of Inspector General, the local authorities, and that's part of the process, and uh, I think those, those are one of the reasons why uh, some of our agents are hesitant to use force. Uh, but again, you have to keep in mind that our agents don't go out there to, uh, with the intentions of killing anybody. Uh, our agents go out there to, uh, to do a job, and they're going to defend themselves if they get attacked. Hector Garza is our guest. He is uh, National Vice uh, President at Large of the National Border Patrol Council. Hector, the news, of course, over the last few months has been about separation of children from families, so children from their mothers, and so on and so forth. And those who do not want to see border security, those who wish to live in an open border society, uh, trying to demonize you and uh, your fellow patrol agents for this. Can you talk about the problem uh, on the border of unaccompanied minors 
who are coming across, and and unfortunately, other minors who are not unaccompanied, but they're accompanied by people who aren't their parents, uh, kids who are essentially being sold to mules to, in order to get into this country. Yeah, so so this problem started under the Obama administration, and it was under catch and release. Uh, under that administration, uh, uh, people were in, uh, people that were crossing the border illegally were encouraged to bring a child with them, uh, because if they brought a child with them, they would not be deported. Uh, so unfortunately, the the illegal immigration was uh, was not stopped and it just increased. Uh, and that's something that, that we're still seeing to today where uh, people are being loaned out to uh, adults that are not even related to the kids. So as law enforcement agents and as a, a U.S. government, we have a responsibility to make sure that those kids are, are kept safe. These kids are not kept in cages. Uh, these kids are not being ripped from their mother's arms. That's just a whole bunch of baloney that was put up by the media. Uh, and they were making our agents look bad. Uh, everybody that comes into our custody is treated with dignity and respect. So when you saw those photographs that people circulated of kids in cages, which was during the Obama era, how did that come about? Yeah, so so those are those, those were uh, chaining fences uh, in uh, uh, in. So, so first of all, let me back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's two types of, uh, of detention centers uh, that we use in the U.S. government. Well, there's many of them, right? But for border patrol purposes, um, when people are initially arrested in, uh, out in the field, uh, they're kept in uh, temporary detention cells, which is those uh, chain link fences that you sure. see. Holding the, areas. Yeah, they're holding areas. And the reason we have those is because we have a lot of people crossing. So what the uh, government had to do under the Obama administration was that they had to rent out uh, big warehouses and they had to build these uh, chain link fences to keep people uh, temporarily so they could be processed. And I'm talking about hours, two hours, maybe three hours the most. And that's where, where, where people were saying that kids were being kept in cages, and they were not. Um, once they're uh, processed accordingly, now they're uh, sent to a more permanent uh, holding facility. And those permanent holding facilities uh, are uh, meet, meet certain standards, uh, where, where kids, for example, are being given uh, recreation time, they're, they're fed, education, you name it. Uh, uh, they're not cages uh, at all. We're, uh, we're nearly out of time here, Hector Garza. Last thing for you. What is it that you want to see from the government, from the president or from the Congress, that will make your job as a Border Patrol agent and all of your men uh, make, make your job easier and more effective? Well, President Trump has been trying hard. We just need uh, to make sure our congressional leaders get their act together, uh, provide the funding for the physical barrier and for manpower. So you want that wall? Yes, sir. So do we all. Hector Garza, thank you so much for everything you're doing to protect this country and all of your fellow agents down there on the border. It's work that not enough people understand and uh, and people know about, and I'm so glad you were able to share that with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Hector Garza, National Vice President at Large of the National Border Patrol Council. I told you we are addressing this issue from every angle including those who protect us like Hector Garza. It's news time now. It's 10:30. On the other side of the news, we continue. It's just a uh, it's it's wall to wall. Guest Dave Ray, Federation of Americans for Immigration Reform spokesperson, Director of Communications joins us. And later this half hour, Marianne Mendoza, Angel family mom who lost her son killed by a repeat illegal alien criminal. All of that still to come on AM 1420 the answer. The Bob France Authority, live from our nation's capital on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed, we continue now on AM 1420. The answer live here in Washington, D.C., outside of the U.S. Capitol. 
And uh, we are at FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reforms, Hold Their Feet to the Fire 2018. Let me just run down what we have already done so far in this program as we continue. And I'm one of just somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 75 conservative-minded talk show hosts who believe in borders who believe in law, who believe in sovereignty, who believe in the United States protecting its citizens as they're required to do by law. Uh, we, we, we're here sounding the alarm, and we're talking to anybody, anyone and everyone who can make sure that you understand uh, what we're facing as a country. So far, I've spoken to two U.S. Uh, con- congressional representatives. Congressman Lou Barletta from Pennsylvania joined me, as well as Congressman Jim Renacy, our own Jim Renacy from Ohio. I've spoken to angel family mom Agnes Gibney, who lost her son Ronald De Silva, who was murdered by an illegal alien in 2002, a repeat illegal alien, meaning he was previously deported. He was a gang member, and he came back into the United States and victimized this legal uh, um, uh, immigrant family, talking about Agnes Gibney's family. We spoke with Fred and Peggy Davis, who are a couple of Arizona cattle ranchers. You, You don't think about this part of the story, do you? We talk about people who are victimized here in the United States. We talk about people who are victimized of violent crimes in various cities, sanctuary cities, and so on and so forth. But what we do not talk about often enough is people who just live down there, whose property is overrun. Property is overrun by uh, illegal immigrants, including gang members, including drug runners. These ranchers are afraid to come out of their own homes because they don't know what they're going to encounter. Their properties are being vandalized. Their, their goods are being stolen. Their uh, stock water is being, uh, is being depleted so their livestock cannot uh, survive. We don't hear about that part of the uh, threat of illegal immigration, do we? So we talked with them. Jim Conway, former FBI counterterrorism expert, joined us to talk about the terror angle and the terror aspect of illegal immigration, including how many different threats there are. If you think that, uh, you know, that it's just a matter of a bunch of harmless migrant farm workers who are trying to come to, quote unquote, do the jobs that Americans won't do, like picking crops and that sort of thing then you're just deluding yourself. You are ignorant of the fact, perhaps intentionally so, that there are terrorism threats here in the United States from this unchecked illegal immigration and that porous border. And uh, coming up next, we are going to be speaking with Dave Ray, who is the Federation of, uh, uh, for American Immigration Reform spokesperson. He is also running around like a chicken with his head cut off right now because he's got to organize all of these dozens and dozens and dozens of guests from the Congress, from Angel Families, from Border Patrol. Oh, I, I forgot about Hector Garza. We just spoke with Hector Garza as well, National Border Patrol Council, to talk about the uh, very difficult job that they have without that border fence without that barrier that wall as we like to call it and the threat that um, he and other border patrol agents face so uh so we're all over this dave ray as i said is coordinating dozens and dozens of guests speaking with dozens and dozens and dozens of radio shows and um so he'll be along hopefully very soon to join us and as i mentioned previously we are also going to be joined this last half hour of our program today by marianne mendoza And I'll give you a little background on her before she comes on, because our time will be limited with her. Her son was Sergeant Brandon Mendoza, and he was killed uh, by a repeat illegal alien criminal as well. This was in May of 2014. Um, He was killed by an intoxicated driver, a criminal alien repeat offender who had driven over 35 miles in the wrong direction on four different freeways before slamming head-on into her son's vehicle. And uh, another example, somebody who would be alive today if we would just 
enforce our borders. And Dave Ray has made his way back to the table here. Dave, thanks for joining us. How are you, sir? Good to be with you, Bob. Sorry, I got pulled in another direction, but we're here to talk some immigration. Well, as I mentioned, I just told our, our listeners, you know, Dave is coordinating dozens and dozens and dozens of guests with dozens and dozens and dozens of hosts at one time right. and trying to be a guest at the same time. So, <laughs> so I, I know it's tough for you, so I really appreciate it. Dave, give us some history on this, uh, on, on uh, holding their feet to the fire. Yeah, so Feet to the Fire started about 12 years ago. Roger Hedgecock out of San Diego uh, decided that it was time to come to Washington and make talk radio the presence that it should be. And uh, so they got a handful of hosts and came here, and it's, the, the event has just built and built and built. And now today, our 12th anniversary, we take up an entire hotel here on Capitol Hill, right in the heart of the swamp. And uh, we're going to have 60-plus talk radio hosts here. We're going to have 50 sheriffs, angel families, angel moms, border patrol officers, uh, uh, all sorts of victims, advocates, ranchers, and so on. So it is just uh, an enormous event. We'll be doing about 16 hours of talk radio today and tomorrow. Wow. Uh, 50 members of Congress stopping by, and that's really why we have it here, right here on the Hill, so that they can walk from the office building and not melt too much in the D.C. summer heat. One of my guests asked me last hour uh, off the air why we why we call it holding their feet to the fire. I gave my best answer. Let me hear yours. We're holding them accountable, and uh, you know them the, meaning members of Congress. Them meaning members of Congress. Last year we focused on the administration. I mean, for the first time. In modern American history, President Trump laid out a vision for immigration policy. I mean, it doesn't seem that most people put a lot of thought into it, but he said, you know, we need to have an immigration policy that focuses on the national interest, and we need border control, and we need merit-based immigration, and he just kind of ticked through this whole list of about 10 things. So last year's feet to the fire was holding President Trump accountable for the promises that he's made, and he has made some strides in that. With that said, this year we're focusing, you know, it's going into the midterm, so it's uh, in a couple weeks we'll be voting on Congress. Will the Republicans keep the House of Representatives? Uh, unfortunately, Congress has been kind of missing in action, yeah. sitting on their hands. President Trump has delivered just about everything that he can with his executive authority from the Oval Office, and really very few things, have, except uh, a couple bills on sanctuary cities, have, have actually gone through Congress. And so it's time for Congress to uh, come back to town and uh, make their voices heard. Do you feel like, Dave, we're talking to Dave Ray, who's the communications director uh, and spokesperson for the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Do you feel like holding their feet to the fire has had an impact over the last 12 years? This is year number 12 for yeah. it. Are we, are we getting anything done? Are we opening any more eyes, getting more allies on the Hill? Well, I think it's unequivocal, absolutely yes. Uh, I think feet to the fire played a role in Donald Trump being elected. Uh, it took immigration, which was at best a back burner issue, if it was even on the stove at all, and put it to a front burner issue. Let's face it, when's the last time that happened? Turn of the century, last century, 1900s. Uh, we have right now, you know, a president who was elected on a on a pro-America, pro-national interest immigration policy who's talking about reforming our legal immigration system to a more merit-based, uh, uh, meritocracy-based system. He's talking about regaining control of the borders. He's identified the true victims of illegal immigration, and it's not the illegal immigrants. It's the American families who lost jobs 
or children or opportunities. Uh, it's the American taxpayer. It's just about yeah. to hit you there. The taxpayers have lost money on this. $116 billion, with a B, dollars a year is what illegal immigration costs us. And they say, you know, oh, you're going to spend 15 to $25 billion on a border wall. Isn't that a lot of money? Well, isn't $16 billion a year a lot of money, too? It would be a big savings. Yeah, no question about it. And, um, you know, I, I think you're right about getting President Trump elected. Now let's talk about the, the leadership. How... How um, invested is fair when it comes to the political races? And I don't mean, I think obviously most of us realize that the, the open borders crowd is the Democrat crowd. Right. The sovereignty crowd is the, is the conservative Republican crowd. But when it comes to the leadership, right. does fair get involved with the likes of, you know, when Speaker Ryan steps down uh, in terms of who, who would best be equipped to, quote unquote, you know, right. g- give us what we want? Um, we, we're a 501c3 uh, charity pup, uh and so, therefore, the amount of direct lobbying that we can do uh, is very limited. With that said, we obviously do have an opinion. We made it make it known on uh, talk radio. There's a couple. There's a really good bill coming up in the House that we support, and we'll make that known uh, when there are when we uh, go into the next speaker. There will be bad candidates and good candidates, and we will certainly make our opinion known on that. So you haven't done that yet? Have not done that yet. I mean, there's a list of candidates, and we don't really know who the, the front runners are, and then we'll be looking at them and their positions. How do you feel about the current leadership? Have they done enough to help the president get no. get done what he wanted? The, the current leadership has has, given that this is a major issue that got President Trump elected, They've done very little to move the ball forward. Yeah, for I completely concur. And some right. of that leadership would be next in line to, to, take, to take the gavel, which is kind of where I was going with that, because I'm looking in a very different direction. I'm looking to the Freedom Caucus for our next leader in this position. So uh, you don't have to respond to that yet because you're not ready to, but that's okay. <laughs> Dave Ray, it is outstanding. This is my first time being here. I've been invited by Bob Dane and others for a long, long time to come, and I'm so glad I was able to be here today and tomorrow to do oh, this. Yeah. We will continue to hold their feet to the fire. Thanks for putting all this together and for everything you're doing. Great for finally meeting you face-to-face my friend. Absolutely. We've talked many, many times, uh, uh, Dave Ray and I have. He is a Northeast Ohio native as well. Uh, But it's good to meet him. We had to come all the way to D.C. to meet one another. How about that? (laughs) We're both from Northeast Ohio. Uh, Okay, coming up next uh, on AM 1420, the answer is we hold their feet to the fire. Marianne Mendoza will join us. She is an angel family mom whose story you absolutely absolutely need to hear. When you hear about the fact that illegal immigration or the statement uh, illegal immigration is not a crime, that these people are not criminals, well, then you're not paying attention. Marianne Mendoza will join us next here on AM 1420, The Answer. And we continue now our final segment of our first broadcast of two today and tomorrow. We are live here in Washington, D.C. at the U.S. Capitol, and we are holding their feet to the fire. That's what we call it here at the Federation for American Immigration Reform. We have spoken to Border Patrol Council uh, vice presidents. We have spoken to ICE agents. We have spoken to lawmakers, and we have spoken also to angel family moms. Uh, Earlier on, I had Agnes Gibney, who joined us, talking about her son who was murdered back in 2002 by a repeat uh, illegal alien who had been deported. And now we're joined by Marianne Mendoza, another Angel family mom and uh, a spokesperson for the Angel families. Uh, her son, uh, 
um, was murdered in 2014, about four years ago. Sergeant Brandon Mendoza was a police officer who was murdered or killed by an illegal alien in a drunken driving incident uh, just about four years ago. And Marianne, first of all, my condolences to you for your loss. Thank you. It's four years on for you. I can't imagine it's any better today than it was the day of. It is It is always going to be a hole in your life. So first and foremost, um, just our sympathies for that. Um, secondly, before we talk about all of the great work that Angel Families are doing, tell me about your son. Brandon was um, a very charismatic person. Everybody thought that you know they were his best friend. It just made people just feel so welcome. He was a very um, important part of my family, but more importantly than that, it was a huge loss to our community. Um, the things I found out that my son did um, for the community, for children in the community after his death was just, its it's been an inspiration to me. How old was Brandon when he was killed? 32 years old. And how many years had he been on the force? 13. And tell us about what happened and how you found out about it. So Mother's Day of 2014, we'd spent the day together, and he went to work and came by for dinner on his break and then said, I'll be back later for dessert. Um, things got too busy. He wasn't able to come, and at about quarter three the next morning, so on May 12, 2014, the phone rang, and it was a fellow officer who was also Air National Guard and had been deployed to Afghanistan. And he said, Mom, Brandon's been in a terrible accident. And I said, I, I, I have to go. And I kept trying to call his cell phone. Um, he was on his way home from work, was on a blind transitional HLV ramp um, going from one freeway to another. And this repeat illegal alien criminal, three times illegal limit drunk, high on meth, um, and had been dri- driving over 35 miles the wrong way on four different freeways, slammed head on into my son. And, and ultimately, he died a few hours later in surgery. That's a hard thing to picture, 35 miles the wrong direction Correct. before impacting someone, and it happened to be your son. And uh, did you know right away that this was an illegal alien? No, that kind of was kept from me. It was probably um, two or three days after his funeral that that information came to me. And then I started doing research, and what really propelled me into this fight um, was the leniency that our court system show illegal aliens in our country and leniency had been shown to my son's killer up in Colorado. He had been scheduled to appear back in court in the 90s for some crimes he committed, never showed up, surprise, surprise. And they caught him at the border in 2002, took him back up to Colorado to face his charges and the judge basically gave him a slap on the hand and and said, have a nice life in America and let him go. And he ultimately killed my son. Um. When you learned that part of the story, how much did it change? I mean, did it change your grief to rage, to anger? Um, Yes. You know, I I know we've got American citizens who drive drunk and and cause accidents and kill people, but these are um, people unlawfully present in our country, and so many, almost in every Angel family's case, they're repeat offenders. You know, they've committed Mm -hmm. a a crime before and been shown leniency, and... um, this is something that the American people need to start being aware of. This is why we're, we're coming forward. We're going to be out there very heavily in, in, from now until the 2020 elections, and we're going to make it, be making Americans aware of the fact that this isn't a matter of if you're going to be affected. It's when you're going to be affected because of the large amounts of illegal aliens present in our country and the crimes they commit. That is such a very good point. We're talking with, again, with Marianne Mendoza. Her son was killed in 2014. He's a police officer uh, in uh, Arizona. And uh, 
when you see sanctuary cities being celebrated by so many country or so many cities, and and in fact, you know, California has declared themselves by the governor to be a sanctuary state. How does that make you feel, knowing that illegal aliens who have committed crimes, like your son's killer, there are going to be so many more of them out there who are able to do this now with the green light given to them by government, by local and state officials who will not lock them up and hold them and, and, and until ICE comes and picks them up, sends them back out into the community to get high on meth and to get drunk like your son's killer did before they go and take another life. It's infuriating and... You know, people need to stop and think, what country can you go to, enter it illegally, go on to commit crimes, and then be shown sanctuary and protected not only by the citizens of that country, but by their governmental, their elected officials? It would never happen for any of us. And this is becoming almost the norm, and it's... It's outrageous to me that my fellow Americans would actually be electing politicians into office that are upholding these type of agendas. It's ridiculous. Tell me how um, Angel Families was born. Um, We formed probably about a month ago. uh, Michelle Root, Sarah Root's mother and myself, um, decided that we needed to bring more Angel Families forward because... um, America sees the same angel families all the time on TV and with Trump at his rallies. And and a lot of the throwback is what only happens to a few of you. Angel families wants to make sure that America knows it's more than just a few of us. And so we have nine new angel families who will be joining us at a rally um, this Friday, September 7th, on the Capitol grounds. Um, We've got some other wonderful speakers. Kellyanne Conway will be speaking, Sebastian Gorka, um, Representative Steve King from Iowa, Sheriff Lamb from Pinal County, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, Tim Foley from Arizona Border Recon, just an an amazing group of patriots who are going to tell you what's happening out there on the front lines and what we need to do as as Americans to support each other and to support the correct policies uh, that need to be put in place in our country. Do you find strength in numbers? When you uh, get together with other, you know, shared experiences, does that kind of help you heal a little bit? In addition to trying to prevent that list from growing, you know, yes. I, I hope I hope your organization doesn't get bigger, and I no. know you do, you do too. But as long as there are illegal immigrants in this country, and as long as there are more and more people flooding that border every day that we don't have the border wall, every day that we don't have more border border security guards down there, border patrol down there, um, this list is going to grow. And and sadly, you know, again, there may be strength in numbers, but I hope you're a very very small number. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm hoping that, too, and that's why we are fighting so another American family doesn't have to experience this grief. But if there's victims listening, um, we've got living victims who have now joined angel families, um, rape victims, and um, I want identity theft. I want people to come forward. Email me at angelfamilies at yahoo.com. Um, tweet at angelfamilies. Just get in touch with us because if you've been affected by illegal alien crime, your story matters. Um, if somebody's been killed in your family, their life matters, and we want to be there to help you get your stories out. Marianne, can you speak to the racial component of this? Because um, some are say- suggesting that um, people who are discussing this from an angel's family, angel family perspective, are are using the deaths of your loved ones for political gain and for to advance racist tendencies. For example, the the father of Molly Tibbetts, who was just killed in Iowa, has come out and said, I am sick of people using uh, uh, Molly's death to advance political agendas and to demonize a race of people. He said, this is, you know, the Hispanic people are good people, etc., etc. Well, I'm tired of people like Molly Tibbetts' father telling me that I can't stand up for American rights in our country. 
Um, this is not a racial issue. Number one, my son was half Hispanic. I'm the first. I, I was going racist. to ask you about your your name, Mendoza. Yeah. I assume your son is half Hispanic, right? Absolutely, but. This is not a race issue. Angel families and the people who have stood up for this cause have never mentioned a person's skin color, their ethnicity. This is about illegal aliens. They're not a race. They are people unlawfully present in our country. And if you don't think that's wrong, that they're here committing crimes and unlawfully present in our country, there's something wrong with you, and I question your patriotism to this country. Wow, very strong words, and I and I will tell you, I second them. I completely agree. This has never been about race. It is simply about legality versus illegality. And if these illegal people were not here, uh, your son would be alive, Molly Tibbetts would be alive, and sadly, so many of these other families that you're talking about would be. Give people that uh, website again or email address. To, how can they reach you if they need to? Angelfamilies at yahoo.com is the email, but... Um angelfamilies.com is our website and if you want to support us we would we would greatly appreciate any support we can get to keep us mobilized uh, through this whole election process and and once again the uh the event that is coming up on friday the uh, angel families uh holding a discussion or a rally if you will on the negative impact of illegal alien crime in america that's going to be friday at 10 a.m at the u.s capitol east side 09 anything else that i need to get out Wonderful speakers there. Uh, again, you mentioned Kellyanne Conway. You're going to be speaking. Sebastian Gorka, Dr. Gorka, Congressman King, Senator Tom Cotton, Steve Scalise. Just among the many names are going to be there supporting the Angel families. Marianne Mendoza, I thank you so much, A, for what you're doing, uh, and B, for being here and joining us and sharing this with all of our listeners. Please, uh, our, our blessings and prayers to you and your family, and please keep up your great work. Thank you. Thank you so much. That is going to wrap it up for us this morning here from day number one at Holding Their Feet to the Fire with FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. We will be back here tomorrow once again on the Bob France Authority broadcasting live from Capitol Hill. We will talk to more uh, very important people, angel family members, congressional representatives, and more. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is coming up next here on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you so much. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.